Happy Friday, guys, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Dubs. I'm your host, Bill T. Well, there's only eight more weeks to go, eight more weeks to go until what you ask, until one crazy weekend here in Las Vegas. That's right. Mark on your calendars September 24th and 25th for the second annual One Crazy Weekend held at the Orleans Hotel and Casino. You guys that are coming down for the event, make sure you hit up the Orleans Hotel and Casino. There's a link on the Showtime tab on Let's Talk Dubs website. That's letstalkdubs.com. And if you go directly to the Orleans, you can book with code number AVW1C09. That's the code for special roommates that you'll get for being part of Let's Talk Dubs One Crazy Weekend. So one crazy weekend that you guys will be looking forward to do. If you didn't do it last year, you missed out. This year's going to be legit. We're going to have two strip cruises Friday night, one at 6, one at 9. After that, hang and chill at the hotel. The next morning, 8 a.m., kicks off a car show at the Orleans Hotel back parking lot. We'll have a car show with about 20 different awards. After the car show, we could have a special VW bicycle and skateboard toy and literature show inside the hotel from about 1 until 5. And then 6 p.m. kicks off the Let's Talk Dubs One Crazy Weekend Poker Run. That's right. We'll have you racing across. All right. Not racing. We'll have you driving across the valley in your VW collecting poker cards. And the one with the best hand wins $1,500 cash money. Second place is 300 bucks. Third place is 200 bucks. And so we give you back cash. That's right. It pays to listen to Let's Talk Dubs and be first in line. Even if you don't win, it's an awesome adventure to have here in the City of Lights and around all your homies that are in Vegas and some of your homies from where you're from over here in Vegas. So make sure you bring your car and bring a lot of energy because it's going to be a good time. That's what's going to be going down in the end of September. So there's only eight weeks left to go. Go to letstalkdubs.com to enter the poker run. It's $50 to enter the poker run. It'll be 30 bucks for the car show. And there's commemorative shirts for both events. So I look forward to seeing you guys here. What else is shaking this? There's a couple races going on. My boy David Volkstroke Ruiz reached out to me and wanted me to promote a couple events they got coming up. The first one's going to be Blitz on the Beach, and that's going to be at Samoa Drag Strip in Eureka, California, August 6th and 8th. This is the first VW-only event this location, and it's the second oldest NHRA track. So it looks to be a good time, and from the looks of it, this thing is right on the water. The next event coming up after that is going to be a Hot VW's Drag Day. Now, two of those are coming up first. The first one is August 22nd. The second one's October 31st. They're Hot VW's Drag Days, and they're going to be taking place at Irwindale Drag Strip. So get your cartoon, get ready to run, air down your slicks, and hit the track, fellas. This podcast is also brought to you by VW Trends Magazine. The magazine for the people, by the people, bringing back the cool culture in VW magazines. That's right. I just got an alert that my second issue is on its way. So I'm excited to get that, see what new things are hitting the pages of VW Trends Magazine. So to subscribe to VW Trends Magazine, go to VWTrendsMagazine.com, VWTrendsMagazine.com, and support them today. Now, with the show coming up, we did get a couple sponsors. The first sponsor is going to be Damn Volks. That's right. Damn Volks. Eric DeYoung, he's been on the podcast before, started building him some motors out there in Boulder City near Boulder Dam. That's right. Damn Volks. So Damn Volks is a sponsor. Go check him out at damnvolks.com, D-A-M-V-O-L-K-S.com. And you can also follow him on Facebook and Instagram. They were kind enough to reach out to sponsor the Let's Talk Dubs One Crazy Weekend. Also, Vic with Lab Built has decided to sponsor the Let's Talk Dubs One Crazy Weekend. So that's right, guys. Vic with Lab Built, Engine Performance in Southern California. 
Those guys are sponsoring the Let's Talk Dubs One Crazy Weekend. If you want to be a sponsor, reach out to me at bill at letstalkdubs.com to be a sponsor for the One Crazy Weekend. One of the things about living in Vegas that's kind of cool is Vegas is a city of lights and everybody comes here for some vacation or another. And we get VW people that come from all over. So today, we're going down south. That's right. We're going to talk to Scott Sane. Scott Sane, some of you guys might know from the old back in the day, the KCW forums. He had KCW build a couple cars for him. But he's really known for putting on a couple events in South Carolina. Uh, VW Drag Night he puts on and also German Air uh, car show he puts on as well and drag race. So Scott Sane is out of Charleston, South Carolina. He shot into town. I never met him before. He knew my brother. We got the chat, and I said, come on down. Let's get on the podcast. So this week, we got Scott Sane from South Carolina on the podcast to bring it to you guys from the South. The Dirty South is on the podcast this week. So uh, look forward to it. It's a good podcast, a great time, and we've all got that VW story. So he's out there. Also, promote some East Coast stuff. I've got VW Nationals happen in August 13th and 14th. So if you guys are on the East Coast, head out to VW Nationals and go check out that event. Well, guys, let's not wait any longer. Let's get into it this week with Scott Sane from the Dirty South on Let's Talk Dubs. A Volkswagen and a nice station wagon to have around the house. Okay, everybody. Well, the, one of the great things about living in Las Vegas is that a lot of times, you know, between George and I, we know a lot of people across the country and people come into town that are VW guys. And it doesn't matter what we're doing. When we go out of town, we're like, oh, babe, can we go do this dumb VW thing for five minutes or meet up with some VW guys or whatever? And that's what happened this last Saturday. So this last Saturday uh, at Cars and Coffee. Matter of fact, Friday, George calls and says, hey, Scott Sane's in town. And Scott Sane, if you guys don't know who he is, he's from uh, Charlotte, South Carolina. Charleston. I'm sorry, Charleston. Charleston, South Carolina. And he puts on a, an event out there called VW Drag Nights. Uh, the website's vwdragnights.com. And he also does a show in November called German Air. And so ran into him and I said, let's get you on the podcast. Let's get some let's get some Southeast representation on the podcast. So mm-hmm. welcome, welcome, Scott. Welcome to the podcast. Glad to be here. So he's in town with his significant other Casey over here and they're just be bopping around and hanging and they took an Uber to cars and coffee. That's how hardcore they were to do that. And uh, so I wanted to get you on the podcast and the way we always start this podcast is how did you get into Volkswagens and what's your VW story? So 1986, um, 16, 15 years old, a neighbor of my grandmother had two 70 bugs sitting in his backyard and his name was Art Gaber. Never forget that, the, the neighborhood drunk. And he said we could have them both for 200 bucks. So, you know, no tow bars back then, no trailers. <laughs> My dad had a Chevy van. So we went and um, drove one of them. It ran and drove. Dark yeah. blue, 70 bug, white interior. Drove it, came back. It wouldn't start back up. And he's like, oh, I forgot to tell you, the key gets hung up and the starter stays on. So you probably burned up the starter. So take 60 bucks off. You can have them both for 140. And we went, okay. Yeah, two cars so, for 140. Pulled them home. I think I drove the blue one home. Um, and then we, we pulled the white one home. Tire fell off halfway home. So we're out in the middle of the road picking it up by hand, putting the tire back on um, the, or the wheel. 
And that was the start. I pretty much made two cars from that. I learned how to paint cars with the with the car. I painted it uh, light purple at 16 years old. You better be a very yeah. very strong willed person to have a light purple car in Rock Hills. Oh South yeah, you gotta be confident, confident <laughs> yeah. in who you are. So it had flames, you know, the 1835. Uh, now, were you like, did you, was there a VW scene? Did you see oh, yeah. the magazines? Like, were you trying to kind of be plugged in? I mean, what year is this that all this is going down? 86. Yeah. So it's in the eighties. Right. Yeah. And so the, yeah. the, the, the cool, the cool thing is like, you know, I've always said like there was the kids that had money, had mini trucks and the broke kids went and got Volkswagen. Yeah. <laughs> well, my buddy Bo Beam, he had a 69 red bug and they did the wider, like spoke wheels on it, uh-huh. you know, Cadron exhaust, and you know, dented down the chrome holes and bondoed it over. It looked really good, yeah. But that's what influenced me when he had that red one. But I didn't like, I didn't like the wider wheels and tires. That's kind of a, that's kind of a Midwest, uh, Midwest yeah. South, yeah. Southeast kind of look, right? Where they take the Baja wheels, put a low profile tire on them, yeah, and kind of what my style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's you know, this there takes all types, but sure. uh, so that gets you into the VW scene. And now as you enter the VW world, you start to get really excited about it. And obviously everybody kind of, you know, it, it's funny because I've been in a lot of different car scenes and it seems the VW scene is the most, that's like, like the most accepting, the most, like everybody's kind of that same little bit of, there's something about VW people that they kind of connect with. You know what I mean? Like friendly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, it, because, and I think it's the variety of the car, you know, cause it could be a Baja, it could be. A cow looker could be, uh, you know, a pro pro street bug could be yeah. all kind of different stuff, you know. And I just think it's it starts off where we're all just kind of outcasts at the car shows. <laughs> <laughs> well, for me, it was uh, the speed that I could get out of mine, you know. Yeah. So I was out running the the eighty nine Irox and all that stuff back then. You know, they they're probably running 10 second eighth miles, and that was fast. Right. And the Mustangs with one hundred ninety horsepower, and I could outrun them. Yeah. And the, my car was quite the local legend for outrunning those cars. And I, I remember this guy bought a Firebird or a Trans Am, and he raced me like three months in a row. I'm going to go do another something to it. I'm going to come back and get you next time. And never could beat me. And it was just so much fun. You know, I had a C45 back then. That was a huge cam. And right, right. It was Doug Adams in Rock Hill, South Carolina. They had a shop called A&B Imports. And um, I got to know him, worked there. He helped me fix up my cars. You know, it'd, it'd be go in and take transmission out and change the gears in the afternoon. Right. You know, get it back. That's your driver. You got to right. get it back together and right. drive it. You're driving so it tomorrow. When he gave me the, whatever third gear I had back then, I don't remember. It was, you know, really close ratio. Right. Close ratio. Oh, third, that it, clean, you clean up. Oh, it was so much fun. So I actually built a replica of that car, uh, probably seven years ago. So I have it at home with the purple, purple with the flames and much bigger engine now, yeah, much yeah, faster. Yeah. So I remember, I think I was maybe nine second, eighth mile car back then. And that was fast. Right? But so that started you like a pursuit to want to drag race. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so you would actually, they always been doing eighth mile back there in the Southeast. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know what a quarter mile was. So really? I couldn't do those fractions. Cause a quarter mile is long. But eighth mile is what real men do. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, quarter mile, quarter mile, you find out how fast your car is. And usually on the street, like street racing, you don't really see, you don't get to a quarter mile no, street racing. No. It's, it's a, you're lucky if it's an eighth mile. So funny story about that. We're in Rock Hill, South Carolina. I grew up in Fort Mill, mm-hmm. which is right near Charlotte. So 
I rock with nitrous street race. I remember guy comes over the hill with his hood popped up, you know, purging the lines and guy lines us up. I've got my tire pressure down to probably what? 10 pounds in my one sixty fives. And dude flags us off. That was riding with the I rock people lying down the streets. When we, when we launch, he runs in front of my car and I almost hit him because I had a much quicker launch, beat the right. car. We get to the end. The IROC says, oh, I don't know where the finish line was. Let's do it again. So we relaunched. Dude runs in front of his friend's IROC on the second launch because I, I came so close to him the first time. And I beat him again. So, I mean, that was just legendary to beat a car with nitrous. So, Well, you know, that's the funny part. You know, I, the picture I showed you earlier, the red and white bug. Right. We, I had a little 1904 in that thing. We'd go up to the street races. And, and this dude, you worked at National Performance. This guy would, his, I think his name was Gail. He would race me every week. He'd be like, bro. And he worked at a performance speed shop. But the the, the thing was, Mustangs just spun tire. And yeah. they, they I'm, I'm long, a quarter mile, he'd probably get me. But right. we would never really race a quarter mile. And I would just launch out of the hole, man. I'd show up. I'd just make it worse. I'd show up with a roof rack on <laughs> and some stuff like, you know what I mean? Just make, just make it look ridiculous. And, and I mean, that was a 14-second quarter mile car. It wasn't lightning quick, but... It was pretty, pretty, pretty fast. And then short, short term, like eighth mile, those cars clean up, man. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the best thing. And, and that was, I mean, my brothers get so stoked when I'd be out there beating them guys. Like, man, I can't believe you beat that Mustang. And then you beat this car and you beat that car. And it's just because that out of the whole quickness, man. And, and that starts this whole desire for us to build street. And, and there's a love hate relationship with building fast cars because you want them to go faster. And as soon as you start getting more power and more power, you start breaking more parts mm-hmm. and more parts and you get super frustrated, which is why he, you, we did a little tour of my garage before we started the podcast and you got to see my Riviera. <clears throat> the Riviera is a result of the silver car, which was the red car blowing up the 2276. And I said, I've had it. I'm done with Volkswagens. <laughs> I'm done with all this. I'm getting me a V8 car. I'm getting this Riviera. So the Riviera is just like a, it, it, it's like in spite of Volkswagens. <laughs> and now it's like, it's, it's the car that I'm like, man, I got to do something with this thing. Let's take up too much space in the garage. You can put two more bugs there. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that's, that's the, the process that we go through. You know, we start with like, I'll build a 1776 or a 1904. Like I had a 1904. I was bragging. like, that's yeah, a stroker 1776. You know, it's got a big old 74 crank. I mean, it's big, you know, big time, but it was one of those things where, you know, on the, on the, on the beginning of it, you know, we're getting our hands dirty. We're tuning the car. We're doing all this kind of stuff and we're getting super into it. And that's when like we don't have all these distractions in life where it's like now you get to a point in life where I don't have time to tune anything if I want to. I don't have it take me an you saw my garage, take me an hour to get my tools together. You know what I mean? Like it's just too much crap. And I and I got this spot where I collect stuff, so I just keep piling stuff in the ground. I got room for that, but it's preaching to the choir. But it's one of those processes where you you start we 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 grow up a little bit and then we start to make a few a few dollars and then we're like, oh, you know what? I don't want to do it myself. I want to have somebody do it. It's going to do it better than me or whatever the case is. And then you started going down that road. At any point after your first introduction to VWs, did you ever take a break from VWs for a couple of years? To go to college. Oh, you did? So, yeah. So I sold my bug, but I did build a, uh, probably had a 63 Carmen Ghia that mm-hmm. I built to take to college and, um, and actually found a body shop in Cullowee, North Carolina, where I actually worked and painted it a different color up there. The guy let me work up there and paint my cars. But um, I sold that one. Uh, I don't even remember when I sold it. Sometime during college. And then I bought another one in 94. And I still have that Gia. Oh, so, really? Yeah, Roadster. Gia. Nice. Yeah, so 
you know, you're talking about going faster and faster and faster. I'm kind of the opposite of that. I do like to go fast, but I'm not the one that has to be on kill all the time. And my, my buddies get mad at me for that Yeah, because why are you only at 15 pounds? You know, you can go to 30 in that car. You're like, I'm all right. I'm all right with 15 pounds. I've I've run six sixties in my street car at 15 pounds. I'm fine with that. Right. And I won a lot of races because consistency. It was consistent. I mean, I, Jason Laufer built that engine for me in 12 years. You know, really? 12 years of racing it. Nothing. Yeah, because so, you're not wringing its neck. You're just staying within within its usability. So when do you stop? Because you did, you did a lot of hands-on stuff. And then I know, I, I think I ran across you the first time on the KCW forums way back in the day. Yep. At what point do you decide, like, I'm going to send a car out to get done? Because... You know, this whole thing where the community starts really coming together is the early 2000s, right? Yep. The Samba. Yep. And Samba was around before then, but really everybody starts finding it like late 90s, early 2000s. And the Samba is like insane with stuff. So we start seeing stuff. And I think one of the things that probably put, not probably, the thing that put KCW on the map was the 45-day wonder right. that he built. Exactly. That's, which, what, that's what caught me. Which got tons and tons of views and eyeballs on it and all that kind of stuff. And then... So you decide, listen, I'm going to send a car out to a shop and get it done. I mean, what was the decision there or or what was the thought process on that? Well, I had just finished my Roadster Gia. So mm-hmm. it's a 70 Gia. I cut the top off after this Catholic wedding I'd gone to that took forever. And I went home with some some rage. So I cut the top off um, and then called my buddy that runs a shop in Somerville. And I said, hey, what do I do now that I cut the top off? And he's like, oh, boy. So anyway, built that one, painted nice big engine that strictly foreign built for me. Yeah. You know, still got those Delordos on that car. Um, but I just finished that one. I bought this 70 bug sunroof from some guy going through a divorce. Right. 800 bucks. And he'd already done the pan and everything. So I was looking at it in the yard, getting ready to restore it again myself. Like I'd done the Gia, and then the 45 day wonder pops up. So I started following that every single day. And you know what it takes because obviously you paint a car. You know the kind right. of time commitment it takes to, to paint a car, to strip it down, to do all that kind of stuff. So you're so, starting to look at dollars and time and cents, and you're like. Well, I looked at the fact that he was going to a different level than I would, paying off, you know, body off, mm-hmm. you know. So I contacted John and said, what do you think? He goes, well, I don't like to work on 70 models, but let's do it. So send it out there. And I mean, I even went to the elephant's foot taillights on it, and he he probably wasn't happy about you that. did late you did later mile tell yeah, you're like, like yeah, look man safety first yeah exactly <laughs> they're off of there now but um sent it out to him and you know i liked what he said and the the time frame i think i sent it in probably april and by july it was back at my house done so a little more expensive yeah. than i expected right but it, it was a brand new car basically sure so so you sent it out there, get a new paint job on it, and the car comes back to you, and you finish off the car. No, it was done. Oh, done, done. Turnkey. Turnkey. Yeah. yeah. And then you start thinking, like, man, I kind of like this. Like, yeah. I like all the Saturday nights I still have to myself and all that. And there's there's value in that. You know, there's <clears throat> some people, there, you know, because you've done paint, body, you've done all that stuff. But at some point in your life, you start to look at it and say, I want I want to have the creative input. I want to, I want to get it built like I want it. But I also don't want to eat up all my weekends and especially in your business, which we'll get into well, weekends, weekends are pretty important for you, right? Yeah, like right. your weekends are your everything. And you know, it starts out where you, you get that car and you're like, man, this that was kind of easy. 
Well, I enjoyed it, but I was still also working on my cars at home too. Right. So I, it's not like I gave up fixing up my own stuff. So that was just one that I did, you know, then I bought a full on drag car after that and built that one. And it's just been a spiral. So how many cars. cars do you have right now? At least eight. So you got eight cars right now. And, the, and, the, and so that you had KCW do a couple cars for you, right? Yep. They did the 70 gear. No, they did 70 bug. 70 bug. I'm sorry. Yep. And then, um, I, I bought a 65 from him that we did diamond green. It was awesome. It was a car that he had. He had, and it was like, I'll give you the car if you'll pay for the restoration. the restoration. So I was like, how can I go wrong with that? Sure, sure. So did that one. Awesome. Um, what were the specs on that car? So it was what wheels, what... And well, let me ask this question. At what point did you realize, like, man, maybe 70 is not the year that everybody's doing? Well, he influenced me. He's like, you need to go older model, you know. Earlier go, car. Yeah. So it had um, polished five spokes on it, mm-hmm. um, narrowed beam, it was said diamond green. And I think we did the, like, um, the sand tweed interior mm-hmm. stock engine. Still when tweed was a thing. Yeah. Still yeah, is. Yeah. I still do it. So it hasn't left the, the South. Right. So, uh, and then you did the 65. And so after that, the next car, um, I think I bought his 66 orange turbo car. Okay. So bought that, you know, he'd already done it. But I made a lot of changes. Now to that, that. Was a, then that's a street car. That's a that's yes. a street car with a side draft turbo setup on it. Correct. Well, uh, four barrel. Uh, um, oh yeah, but it's a but it's a draw through setup yes, on it. Right. Okay. Right. And he had used a lot of Eric Madsen's old race stuff. So and Madsen's right there in Colorado, right? right same time. Yeah. 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 Right there. So that one, and then um, I was building a dune buggy around 2005. I think I started it. And I was moving around building houses and moving from one to the other. And I just could not get it finished because I couldn't get settled in one place for long enough. So I was getting ready to do the first VW drag night. And I contacted John and said, hey, this Gia is at this point. I need, I mean, not the Gia, the, the dune, buggy, dune buggy. And I need it finished. He said, send it on. So they took it on, Franz, Kevin, and um, John knocked it out of the park. And then they delivered it back and came to my event. Oh, nice. Eric brought it back in his trailer and he drove it around Charleston. Oh, that's right. So that was s- such a relief to get that one done because it had been sitting for a couple yeah. of years. And now you, you slipped into this the first time you started the VW drag nights. What, what makes you decide to start a show? Cause that's doing a show. Cause I do a show and I've do a swap meet and some other stuff like that. It puts you now in a different category in the enthusiast pile because, I mean, I think everybody feels like they can give you advice, um, tell you what you should do, and then tell you what you did wrong with your show. Yeah, <laughs> It's like this thing that you're like, because, you know, I started mine for like, man, we got to do something better than what's going on. Well, my, What was the motivation for you to get VW Drag Night started? Well, I was drag racing. I had a full-on drag car mm-hmm. or the orange car, and... Um, the the promoters lived in North Carolina, so most of their shows were in North Carolina. So I remember going up to the promoter and I said, "Hey man, can you do a show in South Carolina? We got Darlington, Orangeburg, and, and now for for us West Coast people, that's like um, how many, how far is that drive? Uh, just a couple hours between. Each. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's not far at all. No, right? yeah. No. So his shows were four hours from me, and I was you know trying to make it two. So he um, he didn't react well to my suggestion to doing one in South Carolina. Cause he's a car show guy and everybody gives him suggestions all the time. And right. You should do this and you should do that. Right. Exactly. Like you just said. So, and no, and 
out of a hundred people, 99 and a half won't ever do anything on their own. Well, when he said, yeah, let's do a show in South Carolina, kind of sarcastically, I went, okay, I'll do it myself. So I, really it started on the forums. What, what was the Cowlick forum? Cowlick was a big forums. back then. Yeah, right? yeah. So I started saying, let's get together a couple of us, just South Carolina, North Carolina guys. Let's do a race. I found a track um, and it was, oh, it was something else in the middle of nowhere of South Carolina. Midway was the name of the track. And I made a couple posts. Some people started responding to it. Yeah, let's do it. On, and I wanted to do it at night because there were no nighttime shows. And sure. it's hot, right? So um, I was like, let me see if I can find a website. So Drag Night. Yeah, I can get Drag Night. And I was like, wait a minute. That might not be the clientele we're looking for. Right. Let me add VW on the front of that. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so VWDragNight.com was available. So I started putting that together. And then... All of a sudden, John Schweers in in California with the Jaeger bug. Yeah, he goes, "Hey, my uh, wife has a friend that lives in North Carolina. We're coming." And nice. I went, "What?" Now you got a heavy hitter showing so up. So I'm like, like, "Oh crap! Wait a minute, this is for real." <laughs> so uh, the Picaros in New Jersey started talking about it, and Gavin Baker, uh, he was in Kentucky at that time, he started talking about it. So all of a sudden, I've got all these people coming, and I was like. I guess I better figure out how to put on a show right? because I don't know. So we, uh, we had so many people show up from all over. Ken Fisher came from Tampa with his, yeah. his well, actually he came paradise guys drove it over cause they had redone the engine here or California. Really? They drove it over, you know, miserable trip blow out every eight hours. It seems like, yeah. but they finally got there at like midnight and, um, Ken goes, well, I want to take my car down the track. And we think he'd been drinking all day. So he did. <laughs> I mean, that was the, the new beetle that he right. had. Uh, insane. So that was one o'clock in the morning and the show went on or the racing went on till four o'clock, I think in the in morning. morning. Yes. And we had promised a huge part of my show that I still do was free hot dogs at the end of the night. So my buddy that was going to cook the hot dogs, Chad and his wife, Laura, he looks at me at like three o'clock and he's like, we're going to put the grill up, right? And I was like, well, you see that line of people standing there with plates? And he goes, oh, get the grill back out. So we cooked and ate hot dogs till 5 in the morning, and that's still been a tradition of the show is well, that's cool. feed everybody. Yeah. It's, like I told you yesterday, it's a, to me, it's a, it's a show, social event. It's a party sure. with, a, with a drag race. Yeah. So. And so you started – so how, how many years ago was that? So that was 2000 – um, nine was the first one. 2009. So you've been running a little bit, a little yeah, while now. So I just did number 13 this month. And how many drag cars do you get? You normally show up over there. You know, I, I don't remember the number from this year. I didn't get them, but I've had, I've had a hundred and something cars show up. Wow. And to race, to race. So it's normally, I think last year and this year were a little down because of the pandemic. If you've heard of that. Yeah. But, um, here's something. Yeah. But but so with your show, so put on drag racing also requires like a sanctioning body and usually there's different classes and as a, as a casual you know drag racer yourself like what do you decide who's going to organize it I mean do you, you so you've got your complete your own thing set up your own rules your own everything or you're like you know what if I just put enough money nobody's really going to care well that works too um, but ECPRA handles the pro stock and the pro mod guys so that's the heads up 
you know, heavy hitters. So they take care of their classes. Um, we created a, a street class for that very first one. I can't even remember what it was called, but um, street eliminators or something like right. that. And and I, I actually, I think I ended up winning. I beat Gene Cook somehow. He got he lost traction at four in the morning, but I beat him at that very first one. Um, John was there from KCW with his. Remember that Gia he built the slammed mm-hmm. green two tone Gia with the turbo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Six feet out of the back. He and I did a grudge race. We were going to do the best best out of three. And um, I beat him the first one, and Madsen comes over and goes, hey, man, let's make your event really good. Let him win the second one so we can have a third one. I was like, yeah, let's do that. So I let him win the second one. And then we had the third one, and I had just won against Gene, hot lap right back around, and I, I lost to him in the in the third race. But – the Hot VW's magazine article said I won, so it doesn't matter you right, know, it, when right. it came out in the magazine. <laughs> History can't be changed. Yeah, and, it's it's and in print now. We had we had you know made up this whole ruse of titles. You know, it was a, t- a Pink's race, and nice. he was going to win my car. So that was so much fun. Yeah. So, so so then, what makes you decide? So what makes you decide to start the German Air? You already got one event, and one event's kind of a lot to handle by itself. What makes you decide to start the German Air? So show? probably 2012 or Glutton 13 for punishment. Yeah, like- somewhere in that range. We had rainstorm. We got rained out. So I had a huge pot of money, and I just decided let's do another race in the fall, and I'll use that money to to do the payouts then. So we did it. And it was a huge success. Uh, the weather's quite different between July and, no- and November. We cooked a uh, different style food. We did a Thanksgiving meal that dinner. We fried turkeys and fed everybody a full Thanksgiving meal at the end. So the feedback for that one was, hey, you should do it in the fall every time. Right. So that's when the second one started. So so then you're just committed to two shows from then on out. Yeah. And as, as well, we, you're not doing anything else. I mean, why no, <laughs> just sitting around. So as I've learned, each one helps the other one, you know, figure things out. And I learn every every year. So this will be 10th, my 10th German air. So I've done 23 shows so far. So I learn every year. And like I told you yesterday, the raffle car helps fund the shows now. So I can have these crazy $20,000 payouts. I mean, yeah. we, we did $27,000. Nobody's doing that on the West Coast, are they? I don't I don't know. I don't know if they're paying that much. So I mean, and your payouts are based on just you've got X amount for each class for second and third, and then if there's one car in that class, I mean, I'll pay it out. So it's there's there's a they're guaranteed. It's not based on car count. Wow. So having the sponsors, I have some incredible sponsors that help me out. Who's some of the sponsors that help you out on that? Like Stokes VW in uh-huh. Charleston. A lot I hear from the other promoters that the the water cooled or the new dealers don't really care about the air-cooled stuff. But these guys are so supportive. For my 10th one, the owner of the company came up and said, I'm giving you $10,000 just to give away for your 10th one. I was like, what? So, I mean, we would just pull names, and we would hand somebody 1000 bucks. So we did it I mean, all day. There was like People were in line to race. Dude jumps out of his car, full suit, helmet, runs over and grabs his cash, runs back and gets in his car. That's just too cool. It, oh, it was great. He gave me a new Beetle to give away that year. Really? Yeah. Wow. So un- unbelievable sponsorship. And there's no way I could do the stuff that I've done without them. So Yeah, well, that's pretty incredible. And, and, and I love giving it all away. As I told you yesterday, none of this is for profit. Yeah. And most of the time it's for loss. Well, you do it for, you start out doing it with the intention of like, I want to do something fun, a little closer to my house. Right. You know what I mean? Like, and there's a bunch of guys down here. Half of them don't go because it's too far. And 
you know so you're like i'll i'll put something up here well it it, it unbelievable who came like roger crawford came a few years um yeah, that's uh, crazy. john mead the paradise guys came so many times eric calabrese came i mean to see those two cars the hater maker and the red baron yeah. on my track and now they're used to running quarter miles because west coast everybody's yeah. now everybody's starting to run eighth mile and i guess because in fontana that's all they do is eighth mile over there but they're starting to do a little more eighth mile but uh i don't know is eighth mile a little more competitive I think so. You yeah, because you don't gotta you don't gotta have a close banger tranny. I mean, you can get it with a stock trans with the right motor. You gotta you know get I mean? it done. Yeah, six hundred sixty feet. So yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Now that's uh, with with doing this show, I gotta ask you because I you know I do a couple of things. You still have the panic after all these shows, like man, I hope people show up. Well. I, I do want people to be there, of course, but like I told you. But do you get nervous about it? I mean, or, or does it have enough momentum now where it's just people are counting on it and people just get there? I think so, yeah. Yeah. And, and as I told you yesterday, if I were waiting on people to come through the gate to fund the event, I would be nervous. But right. the way I've set it up now with the raffle car and the sponsorship, everything's paid for before I leave my house. Yeah. I don't really worry about it. Yeah. So, they and, show up, they show up. They don't. You got a lot of money you got to give away to somebody. That's right. Somebody's getting it, so. No, that's pretty awesome. And I and I think, you know, with the, the VW drag racing scene, it's one of those things where some of these guys don't get paid out very much on some of these big shows. And they put a lot of money in their cars just to get out there and race. And they're they're doing it they're doing it for the love of doing it. Yeah. They're not doing it for, they're clearly not doing it for the money. But it's nice when you have a, a show with a good payday like yours where, you know, what's first place for a class for you? Well, I, I paid Pat Downs five thousand when he won two years ago. Holy five thousand cash. So twenty five hundred was the first place for some of the classes this year. So yeah, when I had a a rain out a few years ago and I just rolled it to the next race, I had a twenty seven thousand dollar payout. So that's insane. I mean, I, there's no I can't explain how much fun it is to hand somebody oh yeah five thousand dollars yeah. for drag racing. That's a good time. <laughs> it's a great time. You know, so. people are super excited to go because. Like I said, they're going to go whether you're paying or not. But when you get a payday like that, man, it's a, it's a pretty substantial thing. Well, you know? I've had uh, Doom Buggy Warehouse is another huge sponsor out of Ohio. Uh-huh. Um, Brian Drew and his crew. And one year they sponsored everybody's entry fees. Nobody had to pay an entry fee to race. Or what's a, what's entry fee to typically get? 40, 50 bucks. Okay. So, I mean, and still, we don't raise no, that up hey, higher. Hey. So, yeah. you know, and I had somebody say that. Do you think somebody that's driving that far to race and they're, their car that they the money they have in it you think they care about fifty dollars and i was like yeah fifty dollars is fifty bucks you right know? i mean that's yeah it's anything a free is a, a big deal for some people so. no that's huge and so what's that what's that whole scene down there like and and putting these shows on has it helped your scene quite a bit down there in south carolina i think so i think i see a lot more of the uh more cars around and people getting into it still you know you all you hear for the last 20 years, the hobby's dying, but I don't, I just don't see that, you know? Yeah. It's, it, it's changing, but it's getting, I, I, I still think it's getting bigger. There's so many, there's so many old Volkswagens on the road yeah. and then there's a bunch of guys like you that have like eight of them. <laughs> I mean, come on, you're hoarding up all the, all the free available cars. Did we not just come out of your no, garage? bro. Don't act like you went in there. <laughs> but, but I mean, you know, it, it's, there's so many young kids that are getting into it and, it, and they're, they're a little different style. Like we're like the old guys now, like they're a little different style because they, they like the rat Tina and all that kind of stuff. Right. And in our heyday, like the magazines were just like, I mean, it was like shiny paint, oh, cr- yeah. chrome wheels and like good looking details and window graphics and all kind of stuff like that. So uh, with the new generation coming in, 
I like to see I like to see that stuff that's going on over there, you know, with with the evolution of the scene. But I agree, I think it's getting I think it's getting bigger because even here in the scene for Vegas, like when we were first doing our shows back here in the early nineties that we did a couple of the first bug ins with uh Desert Racing Performance and Las Vegas Wolfsang Club, you know, we would be excited to get a hundred cars out. There's in Vegas alone, there's three hundred cars in people's garages. <laughs> And it's like the worst part is like trying to get everybody to come out. Yeah, it's the craziest thing because, as cool as the scene is, there's always like these little factions that break off into the scene. Yeah, and then it's like this guy gets upset now, him and his club ain't coming no more because of whatever. And it's like, and the 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 dumb part is like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, who do you think you're hurting by not coming to the show? You're just hurting yourself. Like everybody's gonna be there. Like, just show up, man. Have yeah. a good time. Leave the drama at home and just come out and have a good time. Yeah, we don't deal with the drama. Yeah, you know, ours isn't. No, it just it, it it doesn't make it fun, you know. So the last car that you built was what car? Uh, my '65 Gia. '65 Gia, and what's what's the specs on a '65 Gia? Um, I've got Loomis brakes on it, narrowed beam. Um, we did a Loomis raise kit. Now we were going to do a three inch raise kit on mm-hmm. it, and my buddy Jeremy Owen was in town working on a submarine. If that's you know that's what he does. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Right. South Carolina getting the ocean. That's oh, the, oh the, we're on the water. Are you on the water? Oh, yeah, yeah. Are you on the ocean? Yeah. So you got educated in, in, in Las Vegas. I'm, nice. thinking, I'm thinking of North Carolina. Yeah, they're on the water too. So, um, um, <laughs> I'm thinking North East Carolina. <laughs> that's, that's a state too, right? <laughs> North East Carolina. <laughs> we call that Kentucky. So, um, Jeremy's in town working on a submarine. He's also a big Volkswagen guy out of Virginia. Right. And he's like, look, I'm working till four o'clock. I need something to do at night. So he comes over and helps me work on some cars, put some engines in and I'm building that Gia. And he's like, do not do a three inch raise on a Gia. I said, why? He says, cause you got to cut out the support under the back right. seat. Your body saw will just flop. He says, trust me, I've done it. I know he goes in. You also get your tires too far up in the fender. You're going to need you got to tub it. Yep. And yep. Pull so it. we did a one inch, um, weld in kit from Loomis on that one. Um, 2275 uh fk8 not fk8 it's got the cb's 2288 cam Mm -hmm. in it we did a fuel injection with a single throttle body uh turbo uh so you this a blow through setup yeah yeah so my buddy jason vance who used to live here Mm -hmm. he worked at unlv so he's ace and ants on the forums Hmm. but he's now in charleston he went to I think he was in Maryland at a school there. And I remember I get a message from him on like Cal look, Hey, I'm, I'm moving to Charleston. Does anybody in the Volkswagens down there? So I said, I am. He calls me, comes over and we start working, building cars, working on his cars. And so anyway, we built this car in I'm absolutely no time. And it is so much fun. It's not as fast as my orange car. I sold my orange car, but um, it's a, it's a low seven second, 11 second quarter mile car, but it's one that we built. We painted everything at, at my garage. So that's a, that's a pretty big deal. I mean, to build a whole car yourself, I mean, you get to have some time and with you having, you own your own business, you know, your, your business that you're in is you're in a band. Well, well a band retired. D- you retired the band and now you're the one man band DJ. Right. You're just right. a DJ, right? right? Like the wedding singer, right? Like an Adam Sandler type of, 
I mean, spot on. Yes. <laughs> like awkward 80 songs. You sing awkward 80 songs at the, at the wedding. I don't sing anymore. It's all recorded. It's all stuff. DJ stuff. I just now. have to push play. <laughs> so now let's talk about that a little bit about your personal history. So you, you were in a band for a while that you guys were trying to be a band to get signed and record label and all that stuff. And what was the name of that band? Well, back up. I was a high school teacher. Hold on. Hold on. Yeah. Hold on, right hold out on. of college. Oh, you decide like I'm going back to school. Well, no, I'm, I'm going to work there. I went to college. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> After college, my first job was teaching high school. I majored in history and education. Nice. So I'm teaching in an inner city school and having a blast. And the band started my second year of college. I mean, of uh, of teaching. What year is this? Um, 92 is when I graduated. So I was teaching in 93. So what kind of band alternative band? Yeah, we were alternative rock. Yeah. So what's the closest thing you guys sounded like? Um, if you had to say like, we were kind of like this band and this band, maybe big head Todd, you know, cause they were oh, just, really? yeah, they were just getting busy back then. And I don't think they ever got big, but I know who you're talking about. Yeah. I think they had one hit. Oh, they had a, they had a few, but well, yeah. what was their biggest hit? Um, Big head top. I can't remember it. Yeah, it's, I mean that's a, that's like a classic early '90s right. uh, uh, hit. I'm gonna find the name of that, but go yeah. ahead. So, so like Big Head Todd, huh? Right, Big Head Todd and the Monsters, okay. and they still play. They still come to Charleston. Um, but the band started then. We were getting busy. You know, I'd be in bars till four in the morning and in the classroom yeah, at seven. To school in the morning. Yeah, so I was delirious teaching, which was fun. <laughs> so teaching the history. South Carolina style. Right. Like, hey guys, I was teaching look. Western Civ, actually. Today we're going to talk about Sam Adams. <laughs> <laughs> Not the beer. Um, so the band took off. I mean, what I say taking off was meaning we had gigs. <laughs> you know, it's not like we were making any money. But I remember asking my mom if if she minded if I quit teaching and just pursued the band. Because she was an educator as well. Right. And she said, you have to do it. You may never have another chance. And that's all I have. Really? To yeah. That's, so. that's kind of a shocker. Normally. Well, but w your mom, your mom is from the States. Oh yes. Yes. Yeah. Is. My parents were Greek. So they just tell me I'm, a, I'm an idiot. Like you're, you're an idiot. Well, that what was my dad's think? role. He told me that. So, <laughs> oh, <my laughs> and he's not even Greek. I can, I can imagine my mom. Vlakias is what she would say. That's Greek for stupid, you know, being stupid. But yeah, that's, the, I mean, that's a pretty supportive thing. And, and really, I mean, if you think about it, right it's it's no more true than that right like you have all these years and we and now as adults we look back at at our youth being in our 20s and stuff and we see <clears throat> we just see years wasted where we just did stuff where we could have done other things to progress whatever we're trying to achieve but really that's the truth man it's like there's no better time than right now to do it and then you know work on you know you can go to the grind later right you know what i mean so you guys d decide to put a band together, and then the hunt, the, the goal in the '90s of having an early band is like, okay, we yeah. got to put an album together, we got to get signed, we got to yeah. shop this record, MTV, we gotta, yeah, 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 all, all this like there's this recipe, right? Yeah. And how does this play out for you? Well, we were busy. Um, we played a lot. We did a lot of CDs. I didn't know how to sing, but I was the singer. You know, I had to learn how, and I didn't have to play guitar, and still don't. But um, we were. We, we were just working as much as we could and loved it and making enough money to get by. And but, they, I mean, let, let, take me back into the like the local band scene. Like, what kind of money are you making on a Friday night gig? I mean, a couple hundred bucks. That's day, it. You know? like, it's tough to split that five ways. Like, so how many guys in the band? There were, yeah, there were four of us. So, um, 
everybody gets 50 bucks. Yeah, we're already in a raise there. And we're so. like, man, we only worked an hour. Like, well, we actually drove here, lugged the gear, <laughs> did this, did that. By the time we pay for gas, um, we're upside down 25 Well, bucks. we got very lucky. There was a, a company that started about the same time called Wild Wing. And it was a lady named Diane. She started a restaurant called Wild Wing Cafe. And she did entertainment, right? So it wasn't a music club, but it was a restaurant bar that wanted music. So she took me under her wing basically in 92. And so we were getting $500 gigs, nice. but we weren't doing the club scene. So, but we didn't care. We were working. You were getting steady. So like if I can get paid consistently for right. playing guitar, right. being so, in a band, why not? I mean, that's how we made what we made back then. And she sold that business to a big corporation. And now she has two small restaurants that I still play with her now. And really? she takes care of me. Yep. So... So Huge. you end up, you, you're in this band, you guys, what was the name of the band? That was called The Pondering back then. The Pondering. Right? Yeah. We find, we find anything from The Pondering out there. Uh, on, it's all hidden. It's not on iTunes or none of that no. stuff. There's no videos on YouTube. Everybody find me some Pondering Took out there. Took it all off. Took it all off. <laughs> you scrubbed the internet. Yeah. <laughs> the Pondering, huh? Yeah. So we did like five CDs. You know, that was the big thing. I remember my buddy Al Jones lived here. Mm-hmm. He was building Lake Las Vegas yeah. in that time. And I came out here and got to four-wheel around that whole area before it was even done. Yeah. So he loaned us $5,000, right? It's a big loan. Do an album. So we had to go to the studio, pay for the CDs and everything. And his whole deal was pay him back, and then you get a dollar a CD. So fine, we'll do it. So I remember the bass player and the band said, I don't know. I mean, what if we sell a million records? He's going to get a million dollars. And I went, Billy, you got to focus on the other $9 of that <laughs> right. million records. Right, right. So that's the goal to sell and that million records. that's the beginning records. where you start learning that, that money changes people in a band. And you're just like, hey, man, if we get lucky and get and lightning strikes, man, let's just let's worry about that bridge when we come yeah, to it, which yeah. is, you know, it's kind of the history of a lot of musicians, right? You look at... Uh, you know, Creedence Clearwater Revival. He signed with all his rights to his music. You, you see most of, the, most of the stuff in bands where it falls apart. These guys, they're just they're just like, let me just get paid to do, it's like the car show thing. Let me just do it because I want to do it. And I'm not so worried about the money. And then money starts to change things when, when you're still eating cat food and everybody <laughs> else is living high on the hog. So you're in the band for a few years. And then at what point do you switch gears to... Well, what you're doing now. well, I don't know that there was a switch as much. Well, keep going with the band. So you were asking about the local scene. Mm-hmm. So the local scene, when I first got into it, it was kind of... Any big bands out of where you're from? A Hootie and the Blowfish. So Who's they're that? out of Columbia. Yeah, exactly. So Darius Rucker. Darius Rucker. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's for the you young kids listening to that. Yeah. So um, I'll sing Wagon Wheel in a minute. So um, the, the scene was kind of competitive. Yeah. But there were a few of us that started just working together. So... We would have Monday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesdays off from playing. So the lead singer of one band, the guitar player from another one, and the bass player from the other one, we got together and created this little trio called Plain Jane. Mm-hmm. And we just played any cover song we could think of. And all three of us sang, and we just had a blast. So that was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I mean, uh, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday gigs. 
So you guys would just do, be a cover band, just to do something to fill those other days, sure. right? Because we were still trying to eat, you know. And there's plenty of there's plenty of opportunity to get gigs out there. Like yeah. once you get known, like hey, me and these other guys got a little side project. We yep. just do cover tunes. Like yeah, come on in. Yeah. What kind of places are you playing? Bars. They were strictly bars back then, and then and the Wild Wing started picking us up. Bars, whereas like where you get your music appreciated the most, right? Like people really appreciate your talent and skill and all that stuff, and nobody haggles you. <laughs> Talents will stretch, but uh, so. Uh, <laughs> That started, so there's the three of us playing. So, hey, come play our fraternity party. We'll give you a thousand bucks. Hey, okay. Yeah. So, as I was saying earlier, I realized cover bands could make so much more money playing other people's songs, weddings. I mean, we're the number one wedding scene. I think we took that from Las Vegas a few years ago in Charleston. Really? Yeah. Destination weddings. So, we started doing that. Uh, my keyboard player came over from my original band, and then the horn players came, and then all of a sudden we're a nine-piece band. And we were playing more with our cover band than we were with our original bands. So we, Plain Jane became our sole focus then. Really? And it went from $200 gigs to $2,000 gigs real fast. So we didn't worry about getting signed or somebody telling us where we had to be. So you were just like, yeah, you know, we're not really working on the new album right now. We're working on the next the next three months of gigs. Like we got... Fifty thousand dollars lined up, and right. we're just gonna. We're, we're, we got day jobs now. I mean, that's that's exactly what yeah. happened. So you know, I remember a booking agent called me and said, "Y'all can't be making two hundred thousand dollars a year with the band, can you?" And I was like, "Oh, I mean, we were well over that um, from the. I mean, five thousand dollar weddings were common, and we were doing a couple a week. So now, when you so now I want, now we're gonna dip a little bit into the the wedding the wedding band world, right? So. Do they give you a set list of what they want you to play or do you tell them what you're going to play or you just freestyle it or does it depend on the client? You could you could say that about many of them. It went all directions. I've had from the point of we want you to do exactly what you do in a bar. We want ACDC. We want the thong song and everything that y'all do. Hold on, do. hold on. You do the thong song with a band? We, we did ev <laughs> everything. So there were five of us that sang and we did everything from Green Day to Al Green to – to outcast so everybody sings whoever's voice sounds closest to it that's the guy's that's right he, you're up next and then there will be four part harmony behind it you know so it was that was a difference for our band so wow. we all we really focused on vocals so. nice so um i've had weddings that wanted whatever we did in the bar all the way down to here's a set list of down to the minutes songs. i mean down to the minutes those are usually the accountant types, like my, the accountant's daughter's getting married and exactly. he's got everything figured out. Like, I mean, I had a section in the playlist that said, here's your 20 seconds for banter. And then here's the next song. I was like, oh, <laughs> a little bit of a control freak. Oh, there. a little bit. So, <laughs> and, and, and that goes the same even for DJs. Now I'll have a lot of people that want to pick every single song. And then some say, Hey, I'm hiring you because you know what you're doing. Right. So. Just play, just play what the kids are listening to. Exactly. Yeah. So. And so, so being in that, right. I mean, starting out in like the alternative music scene and then going for your hopes and dreams of having your own band and realizing like, look, I can, you know, make my bread and butter doing this and I'd rather do this than grind out a regular nine to five. So this is working for me. I'm going down this direction. How has it affected your personal music taste? Um, and I'm only asking because doing car audio, you know, I loved car audio. Then I got it for a job and I kind of didn't like it because it became a job a little bit. And so I'm wondering if that does it do the same thing in music, or do you still love music? I still love music. So that is interesting because somebody posed a question on one of the DJ pages the other day and says, "Do you go home from a gig in silence, or do you listen to music?" 
So when I was in the band playing music, when we left a gig, I didn't want to hear anything. Well, yours are ringing. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> but now, uh, back to the DJ world, now I, I'm back to the loving music so much more and wanting to hear and learn new songs. You know, yeah. now I've got to be on top. Sure. Trying to play stuff. So now, how hard do you find that? Now, how hard do you find it to stay on top of like the new, like you, the the, the biggest thing for you is somebody comes with like, hey, can we hear this? And you're like, what song is that? Like, you don't want to be that. Oh like, no, no, I got a fake and act like I know what they're talking. Oh, about. got it coming yeah. up. You're like Google, like yeah. Well, with the advent of Spotify and title, being able to find stuff is is so easy. Oh yeah. What was that app Shazam? Like play, let, let it listen to a second of the yeah. song. Like, oh, that's this song by so and so. I still have songs from the '80s that are in my head that I'm like. What song was that? I know like a little lyrical section of it. And I've tried to search the lyrics and all that stuff, but yeah, the technology's gotten crazy. And so do you DJ, did you start DJing with Techniques 1200s and a full no. Gemini mixer or you went right to digital? So my DJ career basically started with the band mm -hmm. because we would show up at clubs and, you know, or a restaurant, they don't have loud music. We've got this sound system up. We don't play for an hour. I got to play some music to get the crowd amped up because if you go from silence or conversation, yeah, right to everybody, like, shut it off, right, man. I'm having a comp trying to pick this chick up, right? You'll run everybody <laughs> off. So I started uh, playing music with, I mean, I had CD little, you know, little portable CD players first. Yeah. yeah so the, the, the CD, right. The CD right walk two of them. So, you know, <laughs> blend between them. And then it went to the little tiny MP3 players. I mean, that was, Oh, I can have 300 songs on this. Yeah. And then to, iPods and then iPads is where I ended up. So it's funny when I go to like some of these DJ cafes, which is a group of a bunch of DJs that get together, there'll be the 1200s and the, the right. S9, you know, all that stuff. And I roll in with an iPad and they, they're like, homie, you DJ with an iPad? And I was like, yeah, you're not. So, you know, and you're like, yeah, bro, after you spent 40 minutes <laughs> slugging your gear and I'm just like, where's that? Eep, I'm ready. <laughs> We're ready. <laughs> well, that's funny. I'm, I've helped some other DJs uh, simplify their systems, but well, I think there was a time you know there's there's a TV there's a TV show called Portlandia. I don't know if you ever watch it, mm -mm. but they did this whole thing where uh, there was this, there was this time in the early 2000s, late 90s, where everybody was making mixtapes and doing their. Everybody became a DJ, like everybody you knew was all of a sudden DJ. Like, oh yeah, I'm right. DJing now. Here's my mixtape, like <laughs> you know. But it seemed to be like this thing that was that that was really popular for a while. like a lot of people were doing that. My neighbor across the way, he's in the mortgage business, but on the side growing up, that's what he did back in PA. He was a he was a DJ. So you go into his house, he's got these awkwardly large speakers in his living room and all this kind of stuff. So it's uh <laughs> you know, he lives he lives that DJ life. But I mean that's what he used to do and he did the weddings and all that kind of stuff. Cause I'm a huge music guy. Like I love like I love music, like in all kinds. And you know, but my my I mean for me, it's like I it's at some point in time I played the bass not that great and was just kind of you know I didn't have the desire to be in a band you know I thought oh this would be cool and then I was like they were like oh yeah we're gonna do this do that and I was already busy working I'm like yeah I got time for it yeah. like I'm I'm making good money and uh, I like to do it for fun but you know I've always I've always enjoyed music and I think everybody wants to be a rock star and I think a little bit of that bleeds over into the car scene. Yeah, because when you're driving something so cool, something so different, it's like my my phrase for it is curbside superstar. Like you're just rolling down the street and everybody's like, you know, my, I had a, my brother in law ride with me one day in my bus and he's like, 
dude, everybody's checking you out, man. Like, are you? And I said, well, it's because you, know, you get a car like this, bro. You're curbside superstar, bro. Like, everybody's just checking you out, bro. They're like, because nobody, you, something that stands on the scene. And I think there's a little bit of that in everybody to some degree. Everybody, everybody aspires to be the center of attention for a few minutes or whatnot. But I think when you roll an old classic Volkswagen, that's one of the things that, that it's one of the driving factors, you know, that's why they catch us cruising by the, the strip mall from the mirror plate glass windows, like checking ourselves out as we're going down the road. I've never done that, <laughs> but you know what I mean? And it, it's just one of those things where it, it encompasses that same feeling that we get when we're driving our Volkswagens or we're, yeah. we're building, you know, those things. So you've had a couple of turbo cars. You got one EFI car. Let's see how I bring this right back to Volkswagen. Right. So, um, You've had one, the side draft car and the turbo car with the, with the EFI setup. What do you like better? You like a, a draw through? Or you like a blow through setup? You know, I like simplicity. Mm-hmm. I do, but I love it. The, the EFI when I can tell Jason there's a stumble between seventeen hundred and seventeen oh five, and he can go in there and make a change in the map, and it goes away. You know, yeah. You can't do that with a carburetor. So oh, the carburetor! You, you got the flat spot, and you get rear-ended by the Cadillac, and you're like, yeah. we're out of here. <laughs> yeah. But there's something kind of cool like obnoxiously cool about having a big turbo hanging out of the back of your car, yeah. you know, especially when you're driving around the streets. So you, your cars, you keep, you drive, most of them are street drivable. All of them. Yeah. All of them. Yeah. And so what's on the horizon for you? Like what, what have you not got that that's out there for you that you'd like to get like type of cars or anything like that, that, that you haven't owned? You got any buses? No, I've never been into buses just because of the racing, you know, just, right. And the amount of space they would take up. So, well, but your DJ gear fit, your well, iPad would be fit cool in now. There. That's true. Spot right in the middle of the back seat for the iPad, iPad. fits in my Miata. Yeah. So, um, I'm building a '64 uh, streetcar right now, and it's going to be AFI turbo as well. So, is it? Yeah. I mean, I can't. I don't know that I can. And who back. does your motors? My buddy David Wagner out of Mooresville, North Carolina. Now, uh-huh. so he's a racer that races with us, is he? and he has one of my older cars that KCW built. The first one, he's got it now, and he turboed it, fuel injected. But um, he told me one day that uh, he was retired and looking for stuff to do. So he's been building my engines ever since. Really? Yeah. So nice. And so he builds you. He, I mean, like you leave it all up to him. He does everything on. No, I'll pretty much make the choices of what we want. But um, like the one for the Gia, it was just a simple twenty-two seventy-five. I had a Repmaster crank. Pat suggested the 2288 and he, you know, I, th- I think it's like AA stage two heads or something. Very simple build. And he brought us back the long block. And then Jason does all the fit and finish. You know, he's got all the packaging ideas, like the intercooler. Everything's under the hood on you that talking one. about Lawfer? No, Jason, Jason uh, Vance, Jason who Vance. lives near me now. He, okay. he lives right near me. So Jason Vance. Now, you said he's from Vegas? He's actually from Oregon originally right. and then went to school here. Okay. So, so did he have a Volkswagen? He did. Here? He had a 66. I wonder if I got to know this cat. I, gotta, uh, I would think I would know. He wasn't into the scene at all out here. Well, there's his first problem. Yep. So yeah. he had a 66 with a... Uh, it was naturally aspirated first, and then he got into the intercooling. So he went water boxer with all his stuff. So he's friends with Rocky. So that's a different, yeah. Uh, you know, that that's a whole different scene. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that uh, the whole water bo- water boxer thing is uh, that's a different that's a different set of dudes. Well, he put twenty thousand miles on his in the Vegas heat. You know, fuel injected turbo, and 
had the horse fan shroud. He did all these different veins. All the veins inside it. Figured all that research out. He's Interesting. A, he's a doctor at the College of Charleston. Yeah. Who studies the flight mechanics of bumblebees. So gotcha. he's got a different he's mindset. Got a different angle on everything. But he also do. likes to work on Volkswagens. So yeah. the stuff that he has done, like when we put the intercooler on the Gia, it was three rows too thick. And I was like, well, we'll just skip it. You know, just go blow through without it. He goes, no, go in the house. So he cuts three rows off the intercooler, welds it back up, and makes it fit. And I was like, golly, I could, you know, I just bought that off of eBay. Right. So I just got it off of eBay. It's just shipped direct from China. It's right here. Like, it's no big deal. We just turned the boost up, right? <laughs> so, what, but it's it's good to have friends like that. You know what oh. I mean? They're able to help you out and, and do, you know, help you kind of dial in some of those things because uh, if not, you'd be having those stutters at 1705. Well, I couldn't do anything without him, the stuff that we've done lately. I would never be into fuel injection or the the intercooler or the, the turbo probably. So. Yeah. And turbo cars are nice, man. I, I haven't had a turbo car in a while. I normally run big type fours in the stuff that I have. Yeah. But the turbos, it's just nice on a that little Mexican bug that I picked you guys up in yesterday yeah. and dropped you off the hotel. That thing, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to take that that stock fuel injected 1600 put a little turbo setup on it and then change it to just stock 1600 heads because the mexican heads have super tiny valves in them so well that's make the, it worth the cruiser that's the style throttle body that i use on my Gia. the mexican of, efi yeah or, that or either the earlier uh, yeah a lot of i've seen a lot of cars that have used that and and i thought years ago when i first had my mexican bill i thought that would seem to be a, a real easy transition all the parts already bolt on the end castings the whole nine but I'm sure, you know, I I always thought, like, I could never understand why no one made an inexpensive EFI kit based off all Mexican parts and pieces yeah. and then package a brain with it. You know, because I think, I don't think you're getting an EFI set up for under, I think that the least expensive one is that, that low bucket one that's like 1200 bucks. Yeah. You know, and that, that supposedly comes to you all programmed and all that kind of stuff. But but that doesn't put the injectors right at the valve. So but, I don't, I don't. I, I don't see why you would do that. So yeah, it, well, it's 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 funny because in modern car technology, that's 1990s technology: right, throttle right. body injection, 305 Camaro. Right, exactly the <laughs> Berlinetta because you couldn't get the IROC, you couldn't pony up the money for the IROC. But yeah, it's uh, it, you know the technology the technology that's happening in the in the VW scene is is advancing it, and it seems like at a snail's pace compared to the rest of the world because everybody's limited with the you know, with the uh, with the current engine design, everyone's limited in their. I don't know if it's limited in their wallets or limited in their imagination because I've seen some. You know, you see, you see the, the wonderful thing about this hobby: you see some homebodies, some dudes that just do it themselves, and they build some trick stuff out of their garage as far as EFI and all that kind of stuff. And I know dudes that are doing their own mega squirt brains and all that that yeah. have that kind of free time. But uh, the the system I had at one of my cars, best one I had was a Motec setup, and that's you know you're too grand for the brain. Well, I think the guys like Mario and Rodney Adams and the stuff that Pat does at CB, I think they're taking it to another level. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, those guys are you know, and and the, and the 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 key component there is those guys have the facilities, the 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 building, and they build motors turnkey. So there's probably tons of motors heading out of there every week mm-hmm. that. Are just getting bolted into people's car and bulletproof reliable. So going back to, you got into it in '89, right? Yeah, about '89. So, 89, so yeah. in that range, I mean, might have been it might might have been like '80, 
88 when I got my first bug, but 89, 89 VW Classic is the first one that I went to, or the the Jamboree. I mean, unheard of for 150 horsepower, right? I mean, that was the drag uh, cars. Yeah, that's big. That's big power. Right, and, and I remember the like the 86 Mustang had 190 horsepower stock, and we were just blown away. Yeah. So um, now a 450 horsepower streetcar, common. That's not well. Yeah, uh, I mean, you're talking about some of those. And out here, there seems to be a plethora of those Dodge, uh, the Hellcats all over the street where it's like, those are 700 horsepower. And it's like, nowadays you can buy a car with four to 600 horsepower that has air conditioning, cruise control, right. power windows and all that and, stuff. And, and it's a Civic. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. I mean, the, the, you know, I had a, a Celine Mustang a little while back and uh, two chamber flow masters and it had a supercharger on it and the motor was built up a little bit and I'm out running around and i run across a like an srt challenger you know or the charger the four-door and you know this guy gave me the respect of the exhaust sound and luckily i just sat, sat there smoking tires because they, they don't get traction you know that that's the that's the achilles heel of the mustang is no traction right right all the weights in the front and uh you know, other than him giving me the respect to how good my car sounded, it was like, I am I already knew, I'm like, this guy's just going to destroy me because, you know, I'm still running that single port fuel injection or, the, you know, the, 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 the single injection. And this guy's, this guy's running, you know, unbelievable uh, coil packs and all this crazy ignition and all the stuff that's on these modern technology cars. I'd love to see some of that stuff. And we have some of that stuff in the VWC, you know, my, even my gear that was built so many years ago that had, uh, you know, it had a Ray B type four, the 2600. It was still pancake. I custom made, I had my buddy Chris Broswell custom chop up some manifolds for it. I did the, the Motec EFI and I had the coil pack ignition set up on it. So I had four individual coils yeah. for that thing to run. And, and that's about as tech technologically advanced as it could get. And then when they detailed the motor and blew it apart, they left one of the flaps shut on the three, four sides. So it got a little hot on one side. Mm. That's what ended up with a, Quick little six thousand dollar rebuild, oh. you know, <laughs> six thousand dollar tune up. But you know, with my newer cars, the last car that I've got that's going to be coming out, my split window that's got twenty six hundred Type Four and forty eights on it. It's like simple, simple, and just wide open. And I don't know, I'm 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 addicted to the Type Fours because of the torque. You know, they're monsters. Well, I. I love the fast cars, but I also love my 72 Super Beetle with the stock engine and yeah. a choke and get in it and go. Yeah. And so just you like a, that one. It's a bone stocker or is it a little modified on the outside, but bone stock motor? A bone stock motor. So I found it behind a guy's garage covered in green moss or mold, whatever. Cleaned it up, realized it was original paint. So sanded it down, cleared over it, uh, satin clear, redid every, everything else. Wheels, tires, brakes. The engine was fine. Uh, we redid everything to look just like it would come out of the factory. Mike Gagner built me a stock transmission. I didn't know, you know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to lottery that. So we put a new transmission in it, and I, I gave that one away at a, an event. It was one of my raffle cars. And, oh, really? And the guy had it like three years, and he's like, I mean, I put like ninety eight hundred dollars into it. So. It was a raffle car. I didn't, it, it, you know, nobody you would fall, ever have done you didn't that. Fall in love with it. You were just like, yeah, let's build this I, cool car to give away. I did fall in love with it. But oh, you did. Yeah, and I told him if you ever get rid of it, because he wasn't even a Volkswagen guy. He bought a ticket. He was like, oh man, I was here. I thought this was like a taco thing, right? And uh, he was French, so it was crepes for him. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. so 
he wanted called me back like three years later. He's like, I'm moving to Fernandina Beach, Florida, and I won't have a garage. And because I'm not sure I should take this and leave it outside. And I was like, no. Nah. He was like, would you buy it back? And I was like, yes. So I bought it back. I changed the wheel since I got it, but it's lowered, all top line suspension. Is that is that it? That, that that's not in the picture. Is no, it? no, I was pointing at your. Oh, your, the, your the Mexican. Yeah, yeah, the Mexican is just a great car. Yeah, oh, I love so it's that. just like that. get it and go, right? Not worry. So I, I, um, I we drive that one. Love it. It's driven to the shows many times, but I do like fast, and I also like easy and simple. And yeah, I worry about it. her Gia has a 2275 with a 110 in it. You know, you want to talk about torque. Yeah. And she drag races that one, and she won at the event a few weeks ago. She won her class. Yeah, one against an automatic car. Once again, three one of them. Three, three automatic automatics. cars. Yeah. And what are the other cars that run? They just like newer golfs and stuff yep. like that. Yeah, GTIs. Really? One they of just... them, One guy races a Dodge Omni from early nineties. That's late a 80s. special individual. It has one one year that they put a Volkswagen engine in it. No way. Yeah. So that's why he races that car. And he wins all the time. Really? Yeah. The Omnivore. Wow. <laughs> Runs like 14 second. Well, if he, listen, if he was really searching out those rare Chrysler awesome cars, he would really have a rampage, which was like the, the, the pick, truck, the pickup truck yeah. Omni. That's what it looks like. Yeah. The thing is, is, the thing is really, uh, it's tough on the eyes. Got a face only mother could love, but, uh, yeah. I've never heard that. Yeah. They're, uh, they're, they're definitely, uh, they're special. They're special cars in their own right. Well, so, that, that Gia just, you talking about torque, I think it would launch with the parking oh, yeah. brake up in fourth gear. I tell you, it's the funniest thing. A lot of people get torque and horsepower confused because torque is what you feel. Yeah, horsepower is what gets you to the end. Yeah, but really, like what you feel the most of when you're when you're romping is you feel all the torque. So, yeah. uh, so now the next event you have coming up that we wanted to touch on, and if you guys are out there in the in the southeast, and even if you're planning on deciding you want to take a trip, right? soon in the next couple of weeks you've got your next show going to be well your next show's coming up in november mine's november yeah but you've also there's another show coming up in maryland in a couple of weeks right right the the uh, vw nationals that scotty picaro puts on at um in boonesboro maryland at the mason dixon drag strip so that's august 13 i think is that right Let me look on my calendar but I so think, what what's that show all about so um Scotty lives in New Jersey. He's been wanting to put on events, so he started these four or five years ago. Yeah, it's 13, 14 weekend. So he started putting on the events as well. and Drag just, races there too? Yep. So, so you guys are some hardcore racers on the on the southeast over there, huh? Sure. Would you say southeast versus east coast is a good rivalry? Like you guys rival some of the guys on the east coast? I think it's a north-south kind it's of north rivalry. South. Yeah, so all those rednecks up in the New Jersey area yeah. and the cool guys are us down in the south. So And that and that show's called the VW VW Nationals. Yep. And so you guys are pretty I mean pretty strong scene out there in the southeast. It's just a little bit of driving to get to it cuz you guys, not like the West Coast where everything's on a nice square grid, you guys just pave goat tracks and stuff like that and right. roads curve around mountains and you got right. all these trees. trees yeah. got, you got all these trees fogging up, all this visual littering going on with all these trees everywhere. So Scotty's race is 11 hours for me. So, I mean, so. That's a drive. It is a drive, but yeah. we'll go. It doesn't. Yeah, Sacramento from here is, uh, Sacramento from here is nine hours. It's a nine hour drive. And usually yeah. when we go. We bring a couple cars, so we're taking a couple car hauler, and it's a little bit of a slow going because you get California, you got to do 55 with a trailer. So, oh, no. So, we yeah, all you're just going to do is going to get a ticket. So, but yeah, this have is, you uh, seen this? This is my race, me getting beat. Look at that. So, our class is Air Cooled Streetcar Association. We're all street legal. Yeah. Uh, we do a cruise. Um, 
Watch that. Who, which that's, one? That's Brad Robertson. That's a draw through side draft. So you're in the Gia. I'm in the Gia. Don't you don't have to you, mention that I'm. You behind. got it handed to you, bro. Like, have, <laughs> but but look at my view I had of his run. Oh yeah, I had the best one of the track. Yeah, so no doubt. That's Brad Robertson out of Virginia. He showed up at Drag Night like five years ago. We had no idea who this guy was. And he just rolled up like hey. rolls up in that, and just we had we have so much fun. All of us just hang out and goof off and cook and feed each other. So watch it. Listen to him shift in second gear where he is. He keeps it up. He yeah. keeps it straight up in the second gear. Only with drag racing, though. Oh, that's pretty right. Um, <laughs> but anyway, we have the Air Cooled Streetcar Association. That's our class, ASA. So, nice. so that's Scotty's race right there. Yeah, so that's the next event coming up over there in the southeast, right? It's going to be the uh, VW Nationals. That's going to be August 14th uh, at the Mason-Dixon Dragway. I like it. I'm yeah. like, I Look, I'm trying to get George to go down there with me, man. I love, listen, if we just hop a plane, George is like, I can't go to a car show without a car. I'm like, yeah, you can. Just get on the plane. <laughs> like, But, you know, the thing for me is like to get out there and see some of the other guys from the East Coast, the Southeast, and that kind of stuff. Because, you know, the big thing for the East Coast, I remember talking to Bob Cook. I, we talked on his podcast that I did with him. We talked about his first experience at the VW Classic, which is uh, – Sometimes your first experience to California is not so favorable because it's such a it, it, when you're on the, when you're on the outside and you're so used to the VW world like wherever you, I remember when I was when I was at Virginia Tech doing that doing those wood classes or whatever I found like I'm on Facebook I googled some VW meetup or something like that they were doing some things so I just rolled over to this thing and just met a bunch of dudes with the deep deep dish Baja wheels with low profile tires and what <laughs> whatever it didn't matter to me but it was like. It was just a VW hangout. Like everybody's super cool. And we all just, and everybody's like, oh, you like showing baby pictures. Like, this is my car. This is my gear. Then this is my bug. And, <laughs> you know, you're showing all these things. But when you go out to the West Coast for the first time, and there's this thing where you feel like you kind of know people from seeing in the magazine. There's, there's like this familiarity. So you're like, oh, hey, there's what's his name. And I'll say hey to that dude. Like, hey, man, I'm, you know, and he didn't have a real favorable experience his first time coming out. <laughs> well, I, I tell you, the people that have come, from California to my event, say this the thing that we don't do this guys, in California. We don't hang out at the track. We don't talk to each other. Right. You know? And I, I don't know if that's true for everybody out there, but he says it, it is a different scene in the South. So. A lot of a lot of rivalry out there in the West Coast. I mean, and we just you know we're having a blast and partying. So Ron Fleming came a couple of times, and he was he was not your California attitude at all. Well, I think when you come out to an event, you're a VW guy. You're like open to it, but California. It may just be, it, you know, it just may just be people's expectations of what, to do. like I said, sometimes people, you know, people will hear you on, on the podcast and, and it, they get it because it's a long form conversation. They'll feel like they know you a little bit they'll be like, oh, hey, they'll make some obscure reference to something you said on the podcast. And you're like, what does that mean? They're like, <laughs> oh, you don't remember on 11, 22 on the podcast, you said this, like, this where I'm having a moment with you. And you're like, <laughs> people get that far in. Yeah, they get in. <laughs> Probably not on this one. Probably. Most of the other ones, they get in pretty deep. You edit this one down to five minutes. Yeah, we'll get down to four minutes. <laughs> but, you know, that's been, the, and that's kind of the thing now with, I think it's getting progressively more that expectation with Instagram and Facebook and people constantly being barraged with like, Oh yeah, I know what's his face. And I mean, like even me, I got a couple thousand friends on Facebook, but if I got a flat tire, bro, they ain't showing up. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, but it's, it, it's, it's one of those things. And, and, and I really enjoyed my experience. Every time, anytime I've been anywhere outside of, you know, my hometown and I stopped into a VW event or go to a VW show, like 
I'd when I'd go to Salt Lake visit my wife's parents, we'd go in there and I'd go just bomb into these VW shows and just see what's going on and get to chat with people and it, and that's why I just love the VW community, you know, because everybody's yep. just so laid back and and if you walk into a VW van, you know a little bit about a car and they know it's like oh yeah let's talk about it for an hour like check out this and check out this and check out that so that's that's what i love about this community that's one of the reasons why i want to have you in the podcast just because you know this this i've had some east coasters in the podcast you know we had a bob cook and i had um geez a couple of the guys i've been chasing down joe coning to get on the podcast and uh um who's the guy who's the guy in philly well i can't think of his name right now i'm not in philly but he's up in pa world's fastest street bug he had uh Uh, kurt Kurt, yeah, Matt's Matt's Kurt, Kurt, yeah. yeah. Matt Screw's been on the podcast. Yeah. Bob Daniels been on the podcast. Bob Daniels out of PA also. Okay, Tori Alonzo. So a lot of guys out of the uh, out of the north. We're trying to work on getting some of that southern comfort in here. Some of that, uh, you know, some well, stuff. If you guys can come in, we'll we'll feed you and I'll DJ some songs for you. I'll Look, play that I, big I, head top I, song. I, only if it's the chicken dance, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, don't have it. This this. Uh, I love to come out to one of these events, man. I'd love to just come out and, and 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 vibe on the scene for a minute and check it out and see the cars and all that stuff. Because so, let me tell you a quick story about this one. Yeah. So, f- first of all, the track is awesome in the middle of a mountain valley cornfield, just the coolest vibe all around. Hot, yes, but it's still a cool vibe. So, last year we went with the Green Gia. That's why he has my picture on the flyer. I'm not sure why it's not bigger. Oh, this you, this your car right here? Yeah, that's me. So, we went last year with the slowest car in the class not expecting to win. I just went to go to support his event, be sure. there and hang out. And, um, all those, the guys that I were racing, just, I don't know if they were just so intimidated, but I beat every one of them by their fault, not mine. Right. So, uh, one guy missed a shift, missed a shift, messed the transmission up, whatever. And I ended you up, take it? In, yeah, I ended take up winning. <laughs> Couldn't believe it. No expectation whatsoever. You know, I'm out in the first round and we're going, what's to, that car running in the, in the sevens, low sevens. Yeah, so, so quarter mile. We only speak quarter mile here. So what does that mean, quarter mile? Mid elevens. Oh wow, that's a fast car. Yeah, it'll it'll roll. That's a fast so car. I've got it geared pretty tight, so it doesn't light the quarter mile as much. But I do run the quarter at his so track. So you're, when you're when you're hit. So is this a quarter mile race or this is both? So the ASA will be an eighth mile, and then he does a class called uh, Limited Street, which is quarter mile. So I'll run in that class too. And then I've got like twenty three inch tall slick. Um, radials on it so it doesn't like the quarter so much i'm, yeah. on, I'm on the rev limiter yeah the last eighth mile <laughs> like as long as me a long yeah. eighth mile where's fifth so these now what's a water cool turnout these events pretty strong pretty water good cool? yeah yeah because i see a lot a, of water cool stuff happening like following youtube surfing for videos and stuff like that there's a there's an event over there in the southeast somewhere called so whoa or something like that yeah yeah, oh, yeah. Or Worth Sea or something like that. That's have, you what, been, have you been any of those? I can never go because it's in May, and that's a huge wedding season for me. Oh, yeah, you're busy. So I never get to go. We'll yeah, I like it. We'll do that later. <laughs> I'm just there's, a, there's a good water-cooled scene up that direction, too. Those guys, they all show up for his race as well. So, so yeah, so uh, yeah, East Coast. So have you ever been to that Ocean City? They, there's a big Ocean City thing, too, that they do, right? There's a, like an Ocean City cruise yeah, think, or something. That's I think the governor's cracked down on that, on them. Oh, really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah, because I was watching some footage of it. Those guys get a little – I mean, the police were coming after people like it was like it was like communist China. I'm like, right. <laughs> they're just yanking people out of their car and ticketing people and stuff like that. But the East Coast has got a strong car scene, you know what I mean? And, yeah. It, it, and this – um, I, I'd like to get to the show. I'm gonna try to push George to go to the show and see if we can just shoot out to that show. I mean, it's uh, 
what august 14th and then if it gets the rain dates the 15th if it gets rained on the 14th is that what that means yeah exactly because you guys get what, what's rain common what is that we got sprinklers so when <laughs> when pat downs came to, ironically it rained yesterday at the, at the <laughs> yeah. cars and coffee <laughs> when pat downs came a few years ago he brought his kids they came stayed a whole week after made a vacation which is what a lot of people do at drag night and it rained at my party on monday night I mean, crazy big, bright, sunny, but raining. Like we're gonna die hurricane rain. Not that bad. Just like I've been there. Crazy rain. And his kids were like, he he came up and said his kids had never seen that. They didn't know what it was. You know, you get sprinkles over there. Right. You don't get that but, kind of crazy rain. And they were just standing there in awe while our sushi roller was still making sushi under a tent for us. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, but it's uh, I I like the East Coast scene, man. I like I like to see what we can do to support it and promote it some more, and maybe get some guys. I mean, it's so cheap to fly right now, man. Yeah. It's like shoot out there for the weekend and i encourage people to do that just to go out and check out the scene and meet some people across across uh, county lines and that's I, it, it's always been interesting for me like the the first thing george says like yeah man but i just can't go without my car i said yeah but just go without your car just go and like because sometimes when you have your car you're so involved yeah. with your car and all the stuff going on that you never really get to experience the show and experiencing the show just kind of walking around and seeing the sights sitting and watching drag race and all that stuff you don't really get to do that because if you got your car on display, then you feel like you need to be by your car to talk to people that got questions about the car or whatever. So, yeah, I'm going to try to push George to go to it. I try to talk to the old lady about going. I said, look, we need to fly out there just for a weekend. And she says, well, the kids start. I think my kids start school like this weekend or the week the week before. Like, And I said, well, they will start they start school on Saturday. <laughs> well, tell so, George I'll pay for his ticket if he comes. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'll fly him out there. Yeah. No, Not I you, mean, but him. Yeah, yeah, no, that's all right. Sorry. Right. Listen, <laughs> look, when you got the moneymaker, you know what I mean? The other one gets yeah, get paid for. But yeah, well, I, I like to convince him to go, man. I think it'd be a good time. And I just like to see the scene out there, man. Yeah. I just I just enjoy the the just seeing a different VW community. Yep. So And grass. Yeah, and then so this show's coming up. That's the VW National Me, August fourteenth. And then your show, German Air, is gonna be when? That November twelve, thirteen weekend, is that right? 12th and 13th yep and that's in orangeburg at the uh at nieces south carolina i'm trying to get a bunch of these guys here on the west coast to do a cross-country little cruise out there to that uh let's see florida bug jam because yep, yep. they do that that's in date city yeah they're the week before me so let's see they might be the same week as you mm-hmm. that, that name seems that date seems kind of familiar let's see here 13th and 14th <sighs> same weekend is it same weekend oh yeah well that's a bummer well they're going to get rain that weekend, so come to mind. <laughs> <laughs> They'll probably get rain. There's a hurricane there. coming already. It's in the... Uh, it's and in how the, far... So Florida from you is how far? That's probably six or eight hours, I would say. So it's not bad. Hmm. That's, not a, that's, not, that's not a far drive. I do have a good Florida contention that comes up do to you? support my events as well, yeah. Nice. So, But no drag race at the Florida Bug Jam. Mm-mm. That's just a park and, park and chill. Yep. Because so, I know they got... I think they got the Bully Brigade that, like the night before... That could that be the weekend before? I don't remember. There's, oh, let me see. Well, there's but, something going on that six seven weekend. I thought. Yeah, it could be because usually these two events. Now I don't. I don't know if they're related or not. You know, but uh, I think one kind of hatched off of the other one. So right, one started without. One started as like a as like a an add on to the other event. Let's yeah. see. Hmm. Yeah, I don't see. Well, I, I was talking to John Hunt down there in Jacksonville, and and we talked about it this year at Drag Night that I need to move mine from the second weekend of November so I don't interfere with them. 
Yeah. So I'll do that starting next year. Well, that's one of the tough things. You know, you always want to make sure that you don't want people. That's what happened this year in California, man. They ruined it. They ruined the California weekend. Like for me, it was awesome. We go down there. I roll in like Wednesday or Thursday and we had stuff all weekend to do. There was, you know, you go down to Prado, you go down to the classic, you know, there's all kinds of stuff. And then all of a sudden there was, there's all this stupid infighting between groups and it's like, oh yeah, we'll, we'll put our show on the same date you do. And it's just like, it's so dumb, man. Yeah, that made me mad. I was mad as I'm telling you. And I just went to one event. I didn't go to, okay, I was going to go to the bug in, but I was just tired. So <laughs> I drove all the way down there. I did the DKP meet on Friday night. And then Buggin was that Sunday. So Saturday was Impy's open house. So I did DKP meet Impy's open house and then driving to Buggin. It was Father's Day weekend. I was by myself. You want to feel like a loser by yourself with four kids on Father's Day. And so I'm just driving and I'm like, this is a pretty selfish move over here. I'm in my car in the trailer and I'm pulling around the corner and the line to get in the Buggin was two and a half miles long. And I'd been up late the night before talking to one of the guys that I that I talked to at the show. We're at the lobby talking till like midnight. And I and I normally get up five o'clock in the morning with like no matter what, right? So I'm up, I'm driving, and then I get there and I see this line and I'm just like, it's Father's Day. I'm just going back. I'm like, I'm just going and I got like worn out from heat from the day before and I just came straight home. So I ended up missing the bu- I ended up missing the bug in, but I was just kind of I saw that line and I said, "Nope, not today." And I just got on the trailer, rolled back, but the weekend before was uh El Prado and that was hot and it's not by the beach and you see where I live, there ain't no beach over here. So I'm, <laughs> I'm not driving 3 hours to not be by a beach and be hot cuz I just do that here. You know what I mean? So it's it's tough when when you get that and when shows start competing against one another it's kind of stupid and it and the scene is small enough as it is and when you start to dilute the scene like that i just think it's bad for the i mean we had that here in vegas for a while there was two events that were you know steve hole had his event that he had the drag uh the drag race the bug in that was every sunday and then saturday there would be a bunch of open houses uh or saturday was a car show at the, a big mall over here off Vegas Boulevard. So they'd close off the streets inside all these people would park all their Volkswagens. And it was cool. Cause you bring the wife and the kids, they go to the, they go to watch a movie, go shopping, do whatever, but it's super cool. Cause having your car out at, a, at an event like that, where there's lots of non car people is pretty awesome because you get a lot of interaction with the public. Right. You know what I mean? And then those two factions started getting like, well, I think my events better than yours and you need me more than I need you. And then it just Vegas started to get to the point where it was like, one of those shows they had probably close to 400 cars and it's like, and these were nice cars and it right. was like, and everybody looked forward to like the open houses they had over here. Like George would have an open house on Friday, which is I think how you met. It might've been how you met George, right? You were out here. Were you out here for one of those Vegas show weekends? No, I just came out to visit and had seen him online. So I said, I want to come see your shop. So yeah, came and picked me up. So, yeah. So, I mean, you know, that's it's not a great thing when in scene fighting starts to happen, but uh, you know, and like you like you just said, ran out. I think I'm gonna move my event so it's not right there on the same weekend, so it gives them some time to to hang out. You well, know even, what I mean? even on our side, we try to work together. Kathy puts on the SEVWA events over mm-hmm. there. She's the other promoter, and my race drag night this year was a points race for her for her class. So you're talking about governing bodies a while ago. Yeah. So SEVWA was part of my event. We all work together. There's there's no competition. There's no politics. No drama on our side if we can help it. So. Yeah, it's not it's not worth it, man. The scenes the scenes too fragile as it is. And anytime, like I said, even when you get somebody that gets 
salted because they didn't get an award or something. It's like, go. I mean, I, I, how do you do that? How do you do the awards? What, do you, what are your mine awards? Is, mine is you very just do simple. top top picks. I do a top twenty five, and the then best way. like some four specialties. You know, yep. and and I always try to do something a little different, like the coolest wheels, or you know, whoever's got the. This year we did lowest, and we had a, a bagged beetle that was phenomenal. Oh, so he got that, and you know, do a coolest water cooled, and I like to keep them involved as well. So stuff like that, just and I let I let someone else handle it. I'm not going out and picking the promoter's choice if I right. can help it. You know? I don't so, ever think the guy that promotes a show should ever be picking cars. Yep, I let somebody else do it. So yeah, because it, it just becomes it, it political then, again. It polarizes you from the from the the, the the participants of the event, and your and your job as a promoter is just to put on a fun event and have an opportunity yeah. for people to come out and have a good time. Well, cool, man. Well, I'm glad you got to come in and, and sit down and chat it out with us on the podcast. Anybody you want to thank before we wrap it up or uh, anything else you want to throw in there before we close up? Well, I just want to thank everybody that supports all of this hobby for all yeah. of us to do it, you know, since, you know, 30, 40 years we've been doing this now. I mean, I'm I'm only 38, so. Right. I'm 26. <laughs> <laughs> so I just appreciate everybody and people that come to the events and make them what they are, all the sponsors, of course, that give as much as they do to allow us to have a $20,000 purse you know, yeah. or a car to give away. No, so. that's rad. That's rad. I mean, you know, it, it's, it's always good when there's a, a bonus like that to it, you know, a car to give away or, or big money, man. That's always, it's always just adds an extra silver right. lining. And you know, people are just looking for a reason to hang out. So. Right. Well, even Brad that you were watching in the video that, he barely beat me. But, yeah. uh, if you hey, mean barely, like hey, he double tracked you. <laughs> I think he was coming back around. Pipe down. This was a, don't make this about me. So, um, <laughs> was that, was that, hold on. Now, was that, was that a, um, like a, uh, why am I thinking? That was a, um, What's the, the elimination round? It wasn't the final round, but it, what it, but you guys weren't in the same class. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's heads up street cars. That's heads up. Yeah, I said we don't we don't do bracket. Our class is okay, heads that's up. That's what I was looking for. It wasn't a bracket race. No, huh? no, no. So first of the so it's line. heads up. Don't matter what you're on. Right. What's right. it? So what his car go through the lights at six ten street car. That's crazy. Six ten and eighth mile. So, um, we were racing uh, back in May, and he and I were in the finals, and we had whatever the purse was i was like we hadn't really figured out what first and second was i said let's make it this i said well, i'll see where your loyalty is all of the money goes to second place he goes i don't care i'm not doing it for the money and he would he would come to any event just to race he doesn't care that right. he, i mean he won 2500 at my at my event for beating me <laughs> <laughs> But that, that's it. Sometimes the money doesn't matter. It's just a bonus, like you said earlier. Look, there was even Wide World of Sports. If you're old enough to remember Wide World of Sports. Never heard the, of it. <laughs> there was the entrance on ABC Wild World of Sports where the guy takes the tumble on the, on the ski slope. Yeah. I mean, even yeah. that guy is famous. So, yeah. I mean, there's always got to be the guy that's behind the dude that's doing the beautiful wheelie. That's right. I got the best <laughs> yeah, video. Listen, you're in that video at least, right? I mean, What in the Wide, Wide World of Sports <laughs> is going on here? <laughs> Well, cool, man. Well, I'm, I'm glad you came in, and I'm glad we got to sit down and, and, and chat it up. And hopefully I can convince George to head out to the East Coast, man. I'll pay for his ticket. You got That's it. That's a promise. All right, brother. Well, thanks for coming. Casey, thanks for being so patient and just hanging out here with yeah. the two two idiots gabbing about Volkswagens all day. Well, she's only here because you're taking us to a buffet. That's so. it. <laughs> <laughs> well, good deal. Well, I appreciate you I appreciate you guys coming in, and uh, and we'll uh, I'll look to see you on the East Coast, man. Sounds good. Thanks. All right. Later. If you like that podcast, make sure you share it with a friend. Go down to the three little buttons on the bottom, hit share, 
and text it to all your VW buddies so they can enjoy Let's Talk Dubs podcast. Also, you can support us by going to letstalkdubs.com, going to the merch page, and picking up some merch to support your favorite podcast. Make sure that you guys like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and go subscribe to our YouTube channel. Now, it's time for some shout-outs this week. First shout-out goes to Mike Goody out of Chicago, Illinois, sent me some uh, merch. He's got a plumbing company out there. I think they're the best plumbing company in the Chicago area. So Goody Plumbing for all your plumbing needs. They got some dope shirts with a couple of VW, with some VW buses on there. He sent me some mouse pads. So they got cool merch with VWs on it. And he gets a shout-out this week for sending us some merch with Volkswagens on it. If you guys want a shout-out on the podcast, make sure you give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Leave your name in the review, and you get a shout-out. Also, you can send me an email at billletletstalkdubs.com. And we'll read any kind of email questions that you have on the podcast. Well, we got more podcasts coming up, guys. Don't forget one crazy weekend, September 24th. To get your room, go to letstalkdubs.com. Click on the show information, and there's a link to book your rooms at the Orleans Hotel and Casino. That's going to be September 24th and 25th here in Las Vegas. So look forward to seeing you guys at the next event. Later. A Volkswagen is a nice station wagon to have.